Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Swim Coaches podcast. Um, it's me, Clive, and my co-host, Sam Redman. And today we have Matt Brooks with us, who is a sports psychologist. He's studying his PhD at the moment, um, and he's going to be here to talk to us about all things sports psychology. Let us know, understand what sports psychology is. And um, the main um, bit of it today is to talk about athlete burnout and bits like that, because uh, Matt Brooks here is... Uh, He's uh, doing his uh, research at the moment on athlete burnout. So be really interested to see what he's finding out at the moment, what he can tell us about how to, well, hopefully limit athlete burnout within our swim programs and bits like that. So Matt Brooks, uh, thank you for being here. That's all right. No worries. Um, yeah, as Clive sort of pointed out, my name is Matthew Brooks, sort of doing a professional doctorate down in Portsmouth at the moment, uh, working towards my applied practice and PhD research. Um, as Clive highlighted, sort of earlier stuff, <laughs> looked at athlete burnout, um, more moving towards sort of cultures and environments and antecedents towards um, potential maladaptive, which is essentially a fancy word for negative outcomes of uh, cultures and environments of um, sporting organisations or clubs. Uh, yeah, it's me really. So it sounds very very fancy and guys for those out there um who are listening uh so matt uh it's very hard to call you matt i mean he's <laughs> yeah. it's too hard um so matt used to uh swim um with myself and clive so is actually coming from an athletic background as well so i can imagine that has a massive benefit to you um when going through this uh, phd yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely come in with that sort of athlete perspective to things, um, sort of framed my practitioner stance. When I say practitioner, sort of working as a sport and exercise psychologist or performance psychologist. Um, definitely there's some there's some sort of like home truths that sort of uh, uh, facilitated my practitioner stance and the way I, I go about practice. Um, yeah, through different things, I think those experiences have definitely been been useful. Um, definitely gives you a great passion for what I do and the work that yeah. I do and the research that I'm developing with uh, Dr. Chris Wagstaff and Beth Clarkson at the moment. And um, sorry, Dr. Beth Clarkson. That makes sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Two ducks, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Amazing. That's yeah, it's really great. Cool. To come, yeah, great to come from that sporting background um, as well. Sort of like. I think it allows the ability to really understand what clients um, are going through, having been through sort of things myself. Of course, when you're in that practitioner role, it's important not to reflect uh, on your own experiences and also focus on the client and what they're going through at the moment. Um, That's actually exactly what I was going to ask later down the line. Um, but Miles, I'll just jump on it now really quickly while you've brought it up. Um, have there been times where you've uh, been studying something, reading a paper or practicing and you're like, you've thought, okay, I, ha I had exactly the same situation when I was competing in swimming. Um, what if I'd done something differently or thought about something differently or my coach oh. had done something differently? Yeah. Where would I be now with said sport? Yeah, massively. I think there's so many times, um, and I, like you said, I was going to mention this a little bit later down the line when mm. I've obviously been practicing and reading, enhancing my knowledge of all things sports psychology. When I've reflected back on my time as an athlete, and I was like, God, if I just had someone sitting in front of me or some sort of measure in place within my sporting club or my organization, um, 
like my my ability to deal with adversities and um and even like enhancing my own strengths it's just been massive to reflect back on that and like it's actually so important and and yeah. and i was going to say like uh, obviously sport sport is all about results and performance but there and sometimes the well-being aspect of that and the the support and facilitative environment that's created is is almost forgot not forgotten about but it's sort of put on the back burner when it's actually such a fundamental part yeah um, yeah. yeah it's almost added as an afterthought yeah um it, it you see it in uh, business you know they they say they want to keep their employees mental health and yeah. everything like that as a top priority and it will happen for a few weeks and it just steadily you know yeah. away yeah. and then it's forgotten um but i suppose to really go further into that i suppose can you give us a definition of what sports psychology actually is yeah so there's a there's a there's an actual definition of it which is like the applied scientific process of uh concepts to uh mental understanding etc um but technically from a perspective of practitioner it's, uh, sports psychology is about helping individuals in sports or better understand their thought processes behaviors idea of their self or who they are and essentially how these factors contribute to their well-being and performance um, and I think a common misconception is, right, athlete has an issue, go see the sports psychologist. And it doesn't an athlete doesn't necessarily, like I highlighted from my own experiences, you don't necessarily have to have an issue or a problem to come to a sports psychologist. It could just be that the individual is looking for sort of another avenue to improve their performance or build on a strength. There's a term in psychology called super strengths and essentially build on those. Um, or you could just contact the sports psychologist to improve your own general understanding of yourself um, and promote your own general well-being. Um, so in my perspective to divine sports psychology or what sports psychology does or sports psychologist does is would to be an individual who looks to facilitate support and improve sort of athletes. Another misconception is it's just with athletes. Um, there's been a big push within recently within sports psychology to actually facilitate and support the whole organization and individuals okay. within that so sort of who supports the coach who supports the committee how are these sort of well-being measures put in place um so yeah okay. it doesn't it can be facilitated to multiple stakeholders within a sporting environment um to look to improve sort of general well-being as well as performance um, so rather than just set like the title being a sport psychologist it's almost an organizational psychologist yeah with a main focus on sporting performance yeah exactly but you can take sort of performance psychologists uh performance psychology or sports psychology concepts to businesses and organizations it's actually quite a common thing there's some big companies actually set up based on those principles um and yeah like i said it's it's, it's um a thing that or well, historically it is um defined within sort of client athlete relationships uh, sorry practitioner athlete relationships whereas there's been a big push within recent psychology or I say recent it's, it's been going on for a while but to work within that organizational level and a nice metaphor of it um, is sort of to be the eyes and ears of the organization and to pick up on the things like we highlighted are, are sometimes forgotten about or they're implemented for a couple of weeks but then they slowly fade out and that's um, yeah the role of a sports psychologist within sort of organizations really that's really cool 
No, yeah, really cool. I think what's so interesting about that is what you brought up. Because in my own personal thought process of it is, it's all to do with either performance of the individuals, or as you said, it's not just for if you've got a problem. Whereas where I was probably sat there going, okay, I reach a point like in between what you can almost put it is, um, you go through a club and then you go into university. Those like jumps and then from university into actual lifestyle, you almost need. I would always thought those steps. You need a sports psychology to help you through those steps, but then you're here saying it's also to help with club dynamics, bits like that, which will yeah, of course, help in other areas as well. Yeah, you sort of uh, depending. It, to be honest, it sometimes also depends on what approach you take as a practitioner. Um, so the approach I take is essentially seeing the individual for who they are, as well as the athlete. And like they, like you said, transitions, they're like a big important thing that we're talking about. Like I said, it's not always to do with issues. It can be to do with things like athletic identity. Like who is that person outside of sport? And people like really struggle to find out who they are as themselves. And then adding on top of that is actually, you talk about transitions, transitioning out of sport. So when a person might've had a really fruitful career that they're very happy with, it's very, it's very hard for people to then transition out of sport. So performance psychology would then become a facilitator and supporter of that transition. Um, so, yeah, it's not all about uh, historically in the majority of work, a sports psychologist will do will be to enhance performance, you know, improve confidence, you know, deal with, we'll throw it in quotation marks, issues or problems. But there's a lot more realms to it that aren't um, conceptually understood by the majority. So no, yeah. what would you say, like the common misconceptions then of sports psychology obviously you've gone through one that it is solely for people with issues what other ones do you sort of see or hear about um well that's a interesting question i think uh, this comes back to sort of what i just said to be honest i'm trying to think of a different a different Way one basket yeah um, it's like is that people will will be like right improve this athlete and it's right. Okay. Well, what does that actually? What does that improvement mean? It's like right. Help this person improve with their mental processes. Okay. So is that towards a better understanding of themselves and their well-being, or is that psychological skills such as self-talk, imagery, improving confidence, motivation? Yeah. Um, yeah. Essentially. I suppose, like thinking, like uh, if I took a very basic point of view, if I had, um, but obviously I done a bit of sports psychology at university so i had yeah. a very basic understanding of it um and he did a year or two of it um very very interesting but just not for me at the end of the day mm. but if i had an athlete and sent to a psychologist maybe because they were unhappy with what was happening i'm almost thinking right i'm sending an unhappy swimmer to be made a happy swimmer mm -hmm. and that probably cause alarm bells in your head saying well that's wrong that's not what we're looking for <laughs> i think i think the first thing in that is that um what you say there is right i have an unhappy swimmer i'm sending them to the sports yeah. psychologist so my first thing would be right why have you come here today and a, a, a client might react our oh, coach told me to and then it's sort of you almost want them to not seek you out because obviously you're there to support and facilitate well-being and performance. Um, but it's that it's creating that social environment as well where they feel like they can go see the sports psychologist or they can go speak to someone. As if it's um, almost organic from the athlete themselves. Yeah. I see. That makes see now that that 
sounds a lot better, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) They actually, they've thought to themselves, right, this can be an avenue to help me with whatever. Mm. Um, Even if there isn't a problem, they're doing great, but they're they're trying to find every single avenue to improve performance. Um, You know, like they could do it in the physical side of stuff. You know, they actually try and stretch, they eat well, they sleep more and stuff like that. That's physical processes, but... Mm -hmm the psychological processes that I suppose there's only a certain amount of reading someone can do and understand about a background. So having someone to help such as you big benefit. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm talking about an app, like a, a, a glorified perspective there where the, the athlete would want to come see me, but part of the job of the sports psychologist, I come back to that systematic approach of it is promoting an environment in which they feel like they can do that and they're not scared mm. to, but as well, if I was working in that organizational setting, I would want them to be able to, I would, sorry, I say I want, I would want the organization or the organization to create an environment in which they could go speak to the coach or, and that's the other thing is that you want it to become almost multidisciplinary. And we talk about working with the organization in the aspect that I'm not just educating the educating facilitating supporting the athlete i'm educating facilitating supporting the coach the committee to be more aware of like you said athlete is unhappy okay me as the coach me as the sports psychologist i would want everyone to you we do this thing this sort of like well-being forums so that there's an inclusive approach to it um and everyone would be more aware that this athlete is unhappy or this athlete is um is experiencing a dip in confidence at the moment and make, and you would, you would create essentially a wellbeing forum in which everyone is aware of that. And then the sports psychologist would help educate and facilitate other, we call it multidisciplinary team members. So coach, physio, SNC, um, SNC mm. into supporting our athlete. Yeah. Makes sense. So I, hold on. I, I, I think it's really interesting. The fact that you're not now talking about, um so if we could take it to the terms that the, our lessons will understand we're talking about a swimming club here and how mm-hmm. you can implement change almost in, in some ways you could say culture changes within the club in order to facilitate better performance not through what they're doing in the water all that but just how people are in themselves and how people are treating others and how the area itself is changing so people can perform at their best and that's yeah exactly exactly and that's that's been a big push within because historically even when I first started on my journey as a sports psychologist you know year one at uni I thought ah I'm going to go work with athletes I'm going to improve their confidence improve their motivation and only through my own self-discovery and acquiring knowledge of the concept of sports psychology have I then learned that actually it can be implemented in this sort of like you said cultural aspect or environmental aspect that supports and facilitates rather than just one individual yeah like like sam said i'll go see the sports psychologist you'd want that to become a more sort of um positive dynamic between sports psychologists you know committee directors coach Mm. multidisciplinary team members which is again physios and and sncs um rather than go see them create an environment in which the athlete feels or and i keep saying we keep saying athlete but as well coaches you know Sports psychology isn't just for coaches. Uh, isn't yeah. just for athletes. It's for coaches, other members of the environment. Um, yeah, so, so it's much more universal approach. Mm. So thinking of that, 
what what advice would you give to say a coach or an organization um to take away that sort of stigma of sending athletes or encouraging athletes to see a sports psychologist how would you what advice would you give there so <laughs> that's a very tricky question because that is exactly essentially the selling point of a sports psychologist like what can i provide to your organization to to um promote this sort of universal approach and accepted environmental gotta be word gotta be careful with the word change um i've realized but this environment environmental acceptance of sports psychology um and essentially there's different avenues that you can um you can go down essentially your selling points as a sports psychologist so you have your performance psychology so this is sort of like work workshop so which involves optimizing performance success through sort of teaching enhancing psychological skills when we talk about psychological skills it's things like imagery self-talk motivation dealing with pressure um you then have uh psychological well-being so this involves being, helping individuals better understand themselves through supporting and facilitating uh, facilitating individuals <laughs> autonomy personal growth understanding of their environment um self-awareness i suppose yeah essentially um you then have sort of athlete coach lifestyle support so again this is sort of seeing the athlete or coach as the individual who they are and sort of helping facilitating their general life admin so like people live obviously dual lives so you're a coach but you you work you might have a part-time job or you're an athlete but you're at university Um, and then the last sort of essentially these are the sort of pillars of sports psychology that have been introduced recently and it's sort of culture and environmental support so it involves working with the organizations to further optimize sort of clubs working environments or cultures so like i said creating well-being forums this is sort of an inclusive process of the coaching staff and the, the committee in which um it, it sort of enhances everyone's understanding of who are potentially who are potential athletes that are at a point of, um, you know, concern um, and making everyone aware of that and how to support and facilitate that. Um, so I think I've slightly digressed from your question. No, no, that's, that's great. And like I said, coaches who are listening, like take note of that stuff. That's stupidly helpful. Um, and just to, you just said, say, athletes of concern, which I suppose means athletes who are heading towards burnout. I suppose yeah. with that sort of categorise that, which I know is a particular interest to you <laughs> um, and probably what you want to talk about most. And I know Clyde's got a lot of questions um, about <laughs> that. So I'm just going yeah. to just go you know, nice swiftly little, with that smooth transition Oh, yeah, there. nice little link to the next section, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not my first rodeo. I was gonna, no, uh, that was pretty good. <laughs> <fun. laughs> um, yeah, so we'll start off with just a very simple, what is athlete burnout? Like, really so, yeah, so athlete burnout, there's essentially three factors or sort of constructs that contribute to the term athlete burnout. So athletes will sort of suffer from a term called emotional and physical exhaustion. So this is sort of the depletion of emotional and physical resources revolting, revolting, resulting from training and competition. So that's emotional and physical exhaustion. It's sort of a little bit like what it says on the tin. You then have athletes will then suffer from things such as reduced senses of accomplishment. So they have negative perceptions towards their performances. 
Um, and then finally, you have sort of sport devaluation. And this is essentially the attitude that the athlete has towards their sport, um, turning from, you know, rather positive thoughts about their sport to the more negative, darker size of things. So going from loving the idea of swimming to, you know what, I couldn't think of anything worse than getting in the pool. They're the very extreme ex examples yeah. of sport evaluation, but um, it gives you an idea of what, what, what that concept means. So, yeah, there's there's three three um, underpinning factors of athlete burnout. All right. So then the other interesting thing is, because, of course, um, those who hopefully most of the coaches will understand what athlete burnout is. But then a lot of coaches, it's more like how we can prevent. So what causes it? And, cause of course, you've got to find the cause before you can prevent that course if you don't know what the course is you're going to struggle to prevent it so what can really cause athlete burnout and then how can we go about preventing athlete burnout yeah yeah so um the most there's a few different factors that can contribute towards athlete burnout um that have been studied existentially uh, through research but the most common and conceptually understood and what essentially that means is the most researched and agreed upon is sort of develop athlete burnout burnouts essentially developed from psychological stress um, and feelings of commitment and entrapment in sport as well as sort of just general motivation uh, so what would be probably pretty useful in terms of talking about how it's caused and prevented would be from a stress perspective um, and essentially what happens and some people might know this um, I'm going to say the trans theoretical model of stress some people may know what that means it's a very fancy term Essentially, it's just a, a framework towards understanding what stress is, okay? So essentially what happens is, is that an athlete is exposed to a demand or a stressor. So for example, if we take a sporting example, what could you think of as a, a stressful experience for an individual? Competition. Yeah, fifth yeah. final. <laughs> or sort of like um, performance expectation at a competition. Yeah, performance Expecting. expectation. Yeah. yeah. So the athlete will then sort of judge their ability to respond to that demand. And then based off their evaluation of this, of their ability to respond to the demand, they will either have a response through either managing to cope and deal with the situation and deal with the demand and stressor through their sort of natural coping resources, or they won't. And you get these sort of negative outcomes of this, this relationship, where it, which is where athlete burnout is situated. So I'll give you, I'll run down this sort of model that I spoke about. So athlete experiences demand or stressor they'll then do this thing called appraisal and i'm going to say two terms you got a primary appraisal and a secondary appraisal so essentially what the primary appraisal does is it says sort of like right how significant is this stressor to me do i see it as a manageable stressor is it dangerous to me or is it just completely irrelevant so if it's manageable or irrelevant you sort of you have effective coping resources for it within yourself but if you see it as sort of dangerous or harmful to you, this uh, stressor can either be sort of harmful, dangerous or challenging. If it's as soon as this, you then move on to your secondary appraisals, which essentially, do I have the ability to manage this stress? And can I handle, can or can I not handle the demand of the train? So, for example, if we take training load, can I handle that? If yes, you have your effective coping resources, you effectively cope with that situation, which leads to sort of positive emotions, attitudes and behaviours. So happiness, motivation, physiological performance or physical performance. Yeah. If not, you have your sort of ineffective coping resources, which is essentially, you know, you cry, you get upset, you 
ignore or avoid the situation. And this is where sort of that whole emotional and physical exhaustion comes in. You know, if you can't effectively manage the stress, you start thinking about reduced sense of accomplishment. So like, oh, you know, that training session was rubbish. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a failure. These are extreme examples, but yeah, it, yeah. It, it, you understand the point. Extremes and then, help for understanding, I think. Yeah. And yeah. then it leads to sort of your sport devaluations. So negative and detached attitude from sport, essentially. So if you have affecting coping resources, you essentially have sort of positive outcomes. If you have ineffective coping resources, you have um, essentially negative attitudes, emotions and behaviours, i.e. athlete burnout. So it's a lot of to me, obviously, you can't really change the stressor point of the model. You can't change that because I suppose that can be environmental stressors. Yep. Uh, or what other stress I know there's environmental stressors I'm pretty sure um, yeah. uh, performance stresses and stuff like that but the most important thing from what I can see after you're going through that model for a sports psychologist to help a an athlete or a coach or what have you is that appraisal stage yeah or essentially facilitate their ability of different forms of coping um, okay. within in that within that stressor stage and i suppose we're going to nicely move on to sort of how it's prevented <laughs> and yeah. essentially what you want to do is re reduce the amount of stress athletes coaches people experience and promote their ability to cope with the stressor so what you can the the issue with stress or athlete burnout as if we're talking about is it's a very personal experience mm. so everyone will experience stress and athlete burnout to varying degrees and in different ways. Um, so for example, what I find a stressful sporting experience might not be the same as Clive, for example. Like if I have a bad training session, it doesn't really influence me. I found that in my career. Um, yeah. And so on it's and everyone's, yeah, and everyone, everyone's, everyone's different. Um, so essentially the job of the sports psychologist in this, in this instance, say I'm taken, I'm, I'm brought into a, uh, Sorry, you probably just had an email notification. Yeah, sorry, Matt. if you could, uh, if, are you able to silence that at all? Yeah. Um, yeah, say if I'm brought into a organisation, hmm. you want to, the first essential stage is to educate and promote stress to yeah. individuals. Like what is stress to you and promote the sort of forms of coping. So that's essentially the first stage. Because if in all honesty, people don't probably understand what stress and I'm, 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 liable to this like unless you're actually in that stressful state you don't you don't know what might cause your stress i mean you probably have like ideas but so essentially that's where that education and promotion stage situates you then actually have the sort of you move on to sort of the actual stress management techniques or interventions themselves and then finally it's essentially the social environments or cultures of organizations so what have uh what have sporting organizations or clubs got in place to help athletes deal with these stresses? You know, like I said, the education and promotion, but who's, who's, what has a club got in place to reduce, facilitate or support athletes stress? Um, Which I suppose, unfortunately in swimming in Britain at the moment, it's not, <laughs> not every club has, uh, and uh, let's no, be exactly. honest, not every club is going to have it in the country, but I can, I can't even think of one club in the southeast where we are now, which has a 
a designated sports psychologist yeah we've got physios snc stuff like that which is fantastic but the psychological side of stuff Mm. no we've had a few workshops which is fantastic Mm-hmm. And I know there there's stuff available at the university, but it's trying to actually then get that. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a hard thing to to come across. I mean, you know, at club level, depending on how high or depending on sort of the um, yeah, how highly how high how high the performance standard is there or there's only so many resources you can attribute to everything. And it sort of comes back to what we said at the start is like well-being sort of gets a little bit lost in there um, or yeah. sort of like psychology gets a little bit lost um, because at the end of the day, you need results. You need performance if you're yeah. a club. I mean, if that's your. And I suppose there's that attitude of we should be saving all these extra little and bits and pieces that can help performance to your national centres, your performance yeah. teams out there. Um, but wh- where do you see it being best used, I suppose, across the board? Or would you say just at the top end? No, I mean, it, dep- it comes down to um, essentially your attitude, your, your value as a organisation, as a sports psychologist to where you you put this importance of psychology on the spectrum. Um, and like, it, so in terms of like myself, I put well-being and sort of understanding of people's selves up there with performance. But yeah. unfortunately, like we've touched on, you can't, not everyone has the resources to facilitate that. So like we said, it sort of gets um, forgotten. Um, sorry, what was it? I digressed. What was the question again? Sorry. So, so, so I'll use something as an example. For like sports psychologists are normally only utilized at the top end, the elite level of sport. That's mm. how I've seen it. That's where they are, you know, your Bath, Loughborough, Sterling, and so on and so on. Do you think it should be utilized in every level? of club or yeah. do you think it should be just maintained at the top so you say maintained at the top so um why i i fully agree with this i think um i'm a big believer in any way that the stuff that um is available at like high end should actually be able to filter down into lower levels anyway because then i feel Absolutely. like you actually find that you'll produce more high quality swimmers anyway just because there's more access to high quality training and even high quality support as well and you just wonder how much how many great athletes have maybe sort of slipped through the net because they didn't have the same um facilities whether that be obviously equipment wise but also support team wise Mm. how many people have we lost out of swimming due to them not having relevant support network you know but it comes down to, uh, to answer your question, it comes down to the awareness of these, like you say, you have your elite who mm. are aware of the, the benefits of sports psychology. But like this, this is why I wanted to come on the podcast was to sort of raise awareness that sports psychology can be used across the board. So yeah, we yeah. spoke about it can be used multidimensionally within organizations, but it can be used at the, I mean, we say lower levels, but mm. I mean, every level is important, like you said, for de- development. Um, yeah. And essentially it comes down to just, an organizational club reaching out to a 
sports psychologist. Um, they're always happy to help, I suppose. Yeah, for one, it's business and it's plying their craft, isn't it? They want. Well, to exactly. Learn. Like from a from a perspective of me, I mean, I'm in my sort of fifth year of sports psychology. Towards, I mean, it takes about sort of seven. But I'm in my fifth year. Like I've been contacting and looking for clubs to provide support to. And yes, there's a financial element to it, but like from a perspective of me, the ability to get some applied, some more applied practice and experience is sort of um, to you. yeah exactly yeah. exactly and some some hands-on um yeah some hands-on work so I think it just comes down to like we said awareness first and foremost yeah. from lower level organizations um and actually that reaching out to performance psychologists um, so you, you could even argue that <clears throat> having sports psychologists at even from grassroots um and to elite having it across the board is it equally important at that bottom end as it is at the top end because I suppose you see a greater dropout of greater size of athlete burnout in the bottom like the grassroots end of the Mm. sport compared Mm. to the elite end so it comes back prevent that yeah exactly because it comes back to what we spoke about earlier that sort of resources towards performance so Mm. you have your coaches who are there to get results in performance yeah but where within that organization is this sort of supportive well-being aspect coming from mm-hmm. and yes coaches coaches depending on the stance they take and i would ask coaches listening to this to reflect on their practice of are you there to be a coach get results and enhance performance and there's absolutely i want to stress there is nothing wrong with that yeah. but what within that environment that you're creating or sorry i don't want to put it as on coaches because it's not just coaches it's the organization as a whole it's the committee the directors what are you putting in place in that environment that is counteracting the sheer performance results driven agenda yeah. or they're facilitating and supporting that because stress is interesting because people can put up with it and people have their own natural automated coping responses. Like we, so we spoke about coping a little bit earlier and people already have their automated ones but they're very short term. For example, sometimes when I have a stressful experience or when people have stressful experiences, a coping response, which people don't realize is, is have a drink, have a bar of chocolate. You know, I'm, I'm stressed yeah. out. I need to unwind for a bit. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a chocolate bar. I'm gonna have a, or they'll just completely avoid it. I'm guilty of that. And they're very effective short term coping strategies. And people can use those to sort of get themselves through day by day. But if you take it from a more universal and, um, proactive coping approach Mm. you can essentially acquit this burnout at a more effective rate and and like we said the first stage would be education and um promotion of stress of how people are uh, understanding their own stresses and educating people on how to cope with that um simple just jump on it yeah straight away sort of thing yeah yeah um I think I think that's great stuff. We're gonna have to uh, wrap it up there. Um, we're running yeah. out of time. <laughs> um, but uh, honestly, that was amazing. I'll I'll be really interested actually to get you back on again and talk even more because there's so many more questions I have. Um, yeah, I was gonna say we sort of like breezed over, um, you know, coping, etc. I had some like more some more detailed notes, but like you said, it'd be great to come back on, um, go through like maybe even coping more detailed. Oh, I think there's a part two coming for this, definitely. Oh, 100%. <laughs> well, it, 
we've got the first instruction and thought for all coaches out there is to obviously do some reading, get in contact with a local sport or performance psychologist because they can be invaluable. You know, limit the dropout, more athletes for you, greater success for you. Simple. That's you put it in that sort of aspect. No, thank you so much, Matt. That's been great. No, Um, thanks for having me on. And fantastic. Don't worry, you'll probably be on next week or the week after. (laughs) There's so much more. Um, But yeah, anyway, so thanks everyone for listening. Um, Remember, you can interact with all of us on our social media through uh, the Swim Coaches podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on Spotify and all other podcast platforms. Um, Matt, do do, do you have any like social media or anything like that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, so um, I think it's underscore Matt L. Brooks on Instagram. I have a Twitter as well. Um, just search me on LinkedIn. Uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll send you my Instagram stuff and contact Awesome. People. We'll put it in the description. Yeah, definitely. Of the episode. Yeah, well, that's great. Thanks so much. And I think that's especially out with COVID and all that stuff to improve when we get mm-hmm. back. But um, we will definitely have you on again. Uh, I've already decided it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, no, thanks so much. Thanks, thanks for listening, guys, and thanks to Matt.